This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Amen. Good to see you guys today. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? glad when they said to me, I'm always excited uh, for Sunday and today is no different. Uh, what God wants to say to us today, I believe is important, I believe it's powerful. And we're going to spend the next few weeks between now and Easter really getting our hearts ready for all that God wants to do in our lives. We're starting a brand new series today called Easter People. Somebody say Easter People. We're starting a brand new series today about that, about the people that are in the Easter story, what that means for us. But before we jump into that, on your seat when you came in was a card, and the, these are invitations to Easter Sunday, and they're not for you. You already know about it. These are for people um, that do not know about Easter Sunday here at the church. And what we have challenged everybody to do is just invite one person and keep this with you wherever you go. It's small enough to keep around and not too big and bulky, not too little to lose. And so it's a great thing to keep around you, keep in your purse, keep in your pocket. Um, but just ask God every day, God, who needs this card? And it may be at the gas station. It may be at the checkout line. It may be at your workplace, maybe in a classroom, whatever it is. It, God will show you who it's supposed to be this week. And we believe it's going to be a powerful thing because this little piece of paper could be the very invitation to someone's family tree changing forever. So we're going to be praying over your efforts this week as you invite somebody to Easter Sunday at the Purpose Church. And everybody said, amen. Now, as we look back at the resurrection story of Jesus raising from the dead, we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at people that are involved in the story of Easter. And there were people involved in this Easter story, lots and lots of people, and we're going to be looking at a bunch of different stories, and I want to invite you to make sure that you don't miss a week, because each installment will build and show us a different perspective on the Easter story, and I believe it's going to be very helpful uh, to your everyday life. We're going to start in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. You can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, on the screens with me, or if you've got a giant slam Bible, you can go to Mark chapter 16 there too. And I want to show you specifically that it is the spirit that's at the heart of what's happening today, uh, happening on the day that Jesus rose. We're going to look at the very spirit of it, specifically as we look at person number one in our series, Mary Magdalene. We're going to look at Mary Magdalene. Matthew uh, chapter 16, sorry, Matthew chapter 16, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone was very large and had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe on the right side. The women were shocked and the angel said, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, but he is not here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is the place where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there just as he told you before he died. 
Now everybody, what we just read, this is the resurrection from the dead. What we just read is the linchpin to our salvation. What we just read is the cornerstone of our faith. This is the hope that you and I are gonna go to the grave with. This is what will bring you through the valley of all the shadows of death. This is our victory. What we just read is the only reason you and I have a life worth living was what we just read. And it's really quiet in this Methodist church. And I need you to say amen. amen. I know some of y'all are raised Catholic and you're scared to say amen. I need you to say amen. That just means you're in agreement with what God is saying. What we just read is what everyone in the world needs. What we just read is what 7.1 billion people need to know. It's the very fabric, it's the very foundation of why we're even here. Here's what's incredible. Mary got a front row seat. She got a front row seat. But in order to grasp the power of the story, we need to talk about how and why she got a front row seat. If we're not careful and we don't learn fully the story of her life, we'll think it was just luck. She was in the right place at the right time. And I want to show you today that that is truly not the case. She had an epic angel encounter at an empty tomb. It's pretty epic. But how did she get there? And for that, we got to go to Luke chapter 8, her origin story. Mary Magdalene has been called one of the highest examples of pure devotion in the entire Bible by multiple scholars. But her origin story, well, her roots were very humble. Look at Luke chapter eight. Now it came to pass afterward that Jesus went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God or the gospel of the kingdom. And the 12 that were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others provided for Jesus from their substance. Now, we tend to focus on what Jesus did. The actual boots on the ground, right? Jesus' hands on people, healing them, raising people from the dead, him raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. And we think of these amazing miracles and teachings from Christ. But Luke, who has historically been called the gospel of womanhood, because he's the only gospel writer that brings about major attention to the cast of rocking biblical women who served God in powerful ways. He tells us, yeah, 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 Jesus did all of this and we're not gonna discount that. It was really important, but we all know that he was God in flesh, so we all know. And Luke just goes past all that and starts to talk about what these ladies were doing. His disciples helped out, yeah, big deal, but don't you dare forget about Susanna. Don't you dare forget about Joanna. Don't you dare forget about Mary Magdalene. Don't you forget about the mother of Salome, the mother of James. These, women's were the, these women were the ones who stood in faithfulness and followed their freedom. So for Mary, this wasn't just a fluke thing that caused her to be able to see Jesus raised from the dead or be gone from the tomb and get to be part of the most important story ever told in humanity. For her, it was a way of life. And it started out for her at rock bottom when Jesus touched her. So now with that in mind, with that in mind, that she was regularly doing what she did and that's how she got to be part of that day, we come to John chapter 20. 
And what we're going to circle back, we're gonna circle back on Mary and read the same story we read a minute ago, but we're gonna see it from a different point of view. See, Mark's account, his letter is more quick. It's breathy. It's, it's, a, it's a, a factual account of what happened, more like a stream of consciousness. But John, John was poetic. John was earthy. John used essential oils. John went by himself to a cabin in the woods to cry out loud with the wolves to God. I don't know, I'm making all that up, but John was definitely more of an earthy, poetic writer. And he actually went to this place, an island of Patmos, to write his letter, and he likes to be alone. And so he wrote a letter, an account that has a lot of symbolism. And he was real clever on how he stitched it all together, and he included seven different statements and seven different signs that Jesus performed. And John's account includes Mary Magdalene's perspective. We get a little bit more detail, and I hope this hits you harder now. She ended it with an angel encounter, but the first time she shows up in the Bible, she was in need of an exorcism because she was full of demons. From demons to angels, that's Mary's story. So let's look at John 20. We're about to read a lot of scripture, so follow along. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, stop right there. Don't bypass this. John's being a little snarky right here because John was the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And he doesn't even name himself because it doesn't need to be named because he is John, the other disciple whom Jesus loved. See, the disciples were just normal people like me and you. They were cussing fishermen and doctors and liars and cheats and they beat people up and chopped ears off with swords. And they were just a ragtag, motley crew group of people that had a lot of tension, even racial tension within their ranks and societal tension within their ranks. And somehow God found a thread to bring them all together to change our lives forever. So when the devil tries to undo what God has done, you say the devil is a liar and you turn the TV off because it's already been handled. End of soapbox. Next. The other disciple whom Jesus really loved, because he didn't love the other ones, said to them, she said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. And they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first because Peter's fat. It doesn't say that. We all know what John's trying to say. I mean, it's just like men, right? Everything's a competition. Where are all my men at? Amen, yeah, I beat beat Peter's butt to the tomb. You better believe I did a foot race. I got you and your mama. You know, it's it's just how, that's the attitude here. And then he's stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went to the tomb, saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around the head of Christ, not laying with the linen cloths, but folded neatly in a place by itself. Do you see the symbolism here that Mark just completely ignored? John's even talking about how the handkerchief was folded. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first (laughs) went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary... 
stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked in the tomb and saw two angels sitting, one at the head of the bed, one at the end of the, by the feet where Jesus had been laying. And then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they've taken him. And now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. And, she, and Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Whom are you seeking? She thought he was the gardener. And imagine this is the scene. She's weeping. Her Lord has been taken. She doesn't know where they are. She just watched the most brutal, brutal murder in, in human history. And she kneels down. She's crying. And then this rando gardener with a weed whacker walks up. He's like, woman, why are you crying? I got work to do. It's kind of just, um, just go with me here. And she's like, dude, my Lord has been taken. And if you know where he is, I'd like to know. But otherwise, get to stepping. Like, that's the scene here. She thinks he's just, a, she's, he's just a rando gardener. And she has no clue that it is actually Jesus until he says her name. And he says, Mary. And she turned around and said, Rabbi. And Jesus said to her, don't cling to me yet for I'm not ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and say to them that I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. So now I think you'll agree with me. We've got a little bit more perspective to the story to enjoy. This was no fluke. This was no random lucky lottery that she ended up on the front row meeting a rando gardener that turns out to be the savior of all of humanity. That was not random. There's nothing random in the Bible. Dare I say everything in the Bible was on purpose. First one ever to be sent out to preach the gospel. Get this, it wasn't a man. Come on, ladies, where are my ladies at? It wasn't a man. Jesus trusted a woman. They're crying. All the other dudes have left. They've already gone to find a sandwich and she's still there. She's still there. And he says, go tell everybody I'm alive. The first preacher of the resurrection was Mary Magdalene. And Mark said this, he said, make sure you include Peter. Remember that? Go tell my brothers, including Peter. So here's the deal. I love how personal Jesus is. He says, go tell all the disciples I'm alive, but make sure you tell Peter for sure because Peter's gonna need some hope. Why? Because Peter just denied Christ three times. And Jesus is so real and so personal and so on purpose involved in every detail of your life that he shows us here that after the resurrection, he says, make sure you tell my boy I'm alive because he's gonna need me now more than ever. And I know he denied me, but send him my love the most powerful, right? So Mary got to be the first one to tell the whole world. Long before any preacher ever stood up, before the apostle Paul wrote his epistles, she got to be the one to say, hey world, Jesus is alive. Peter, I know you feel like a failure, but you can be forgiven. And Jesus specifically told me to ask about you. And for some of you, Jesus is specifically asking about you today. You're not here by accident. We don't believe on, in accidents at the Purpose Church. This is not the happenstance church. <laughs> so you came to an elementary school cafeteria that smells like old ketchup <laughs> on purpose. 
I want to show you what, it, what went into the making of this miracle. Epic moment for sure, but what went into it is what poised her for the miracle. Because Mary went all the way from Luke 8 to the end of the gospel from get, be, by getting, being prepared to be in the right place at the right time. And I want all of us to be poised to do all that God has asked us to do in this season, in this moment, in this journey, that God would create some runway for what he has for us in the next coming days. That God would create a pathway for you. So in order to do that, we got to talk about what did Mary Magdalene do? Like, why are we talking about Mary Magdalene? And I believe there's a perspective shift today that is going to change the way you see her. Now, remember, she was demon-possessed, right? Seven demons. Seven. Like, one is enough for Hollywood. This chick had seven. Seven demons. And I've got seven things to show you out of the gospel. Isn't that amazing how detailed God is? There were seven demons, and he gives seven things that she's been freed from to counteract every act of the devil. Isn't that cool? Number one, she showed gratitude. Let me explain. She showed gratitude. And you would be too if you had seven demons and you no longer have seven demons. You would be too. And again, the seven demon thing. It's not meant to just be like, oh, those are seven demons. Oh, look at all those demons. Demons are bad. Like we're so uh, desensitized. In scripture, seven is the number of completeness. There are seven notes in the musical scale, seven days in the week, seven colors in the rainbow. So this idea shows that she was completely, 100%, totally and fully given over to the devil. She was fully given over to the kingdom of darkness. The Bible says that the devil is a thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a liar, and she believed all of his lies. And she was living fully in the darkness until Jesus found her and touched her brought meaning to her life, brought purpose to her life. He changed everything about her. And so the course of the text says that she would use her substance to support his ministry. She subsidized the preaching of the gospel. And of course, if she's been freed from seven demons, she would say, whatever I can do, because she was a grateful person. And grateful people always pivot to seek to be a blessing because they've received a blessing. Say it this way, gratitude is never silent. It's never invisible. It's never like, well, you don't know my heart. In my heart, I'm grateful. That's not gratitude, that's called lying. You don't know who I am, but I, the Bible says I can see your fruit and there's none. And so there's, there's very obvious things that the Bible says we can look at. The Bible says I can't judge your heart, but I can sure judge your fruit. We can all see what's hanging on the tree. Is it nutritious or is it rotten? Is it even visible? Is it even there? Has the tree been watered? Is the tree dead? That's all stuff we can all see and help each other with. But if you're a grateful person, you speak up. If you're grateful, you show up. If you're grateful, you stand up. Because you've been delivered from your seven demons. And that's what actually Growth Track is all about. Let me talk about this for a second. Because... This is not just a church membership class or whatever. We talk about the church a little bit because people have questions they want to know and you should know. 
what you're investing your time and your family and your money into. But growth track is not a time where Kelly and I sit and talk and hopefully convince you to choose us over the church down the road. We, we have no desire to convince you to stay here. None. Growth track is a place where delivered and grateful people talk about how they can speak up, show up, and serve up Jesus for other people who are in darkness and need the light. It's gratitude in action. It's, it's people getting together saying, I want to be touched. I want to touch people like Jesus has touched me. I, I want Jesus to touch people like he touched me. I want people to be delivered like I've been delivered. So, so how can I be involved? How can I participate? God, show me. That's what tonight's about. So whether you have, are brand new to the church, maybe it's even your first time and you're kicking tires and you want to know what this is about, could get some free chicken and hang out with some cool people, learn some stuff. We'll watch your kids or having their own pizza growth track party anyhow. And we'll talk about it. And, and you'll come to the office, see where the sausage is made, meet the staff. It'll be fun. But I believe there's a whole lot more than that. God brought you here on purpose. And we should talk about it. That's what tonight's about. This is about an hour and 45 minutes or so. It's a lot of fun. Um, you'll, you, it's, it's just going to be a blast. And we have a, so much fun at growth track. So come tonight, 5 o'clock and see how you can get involved. Show your gratitude for what the Lord has delivered you from. Amen? So back to Mary. Mary came back. She kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back. And in her whole life after salvation, she's continually giving. You know, spices were not free. She shows up at the tomb and her arms were full of the most expensive things she could buy in that day. She's like, I'm gonna do more because I know that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, what did they do? They were the ones that wrapped Jesus' body. And she knows you can't send two men to do a woman's job. And so she said, I know those suckers did not take care of my Lord the way they needed to. So I'm going to buy a bunch of spices. I'm going to show up by myself and I'm going to handle this while Joseph and Nicodemus go take a break because they're tired. He, my Lord's got to be better wrapped than that. My Lord needs to be taken more care of than that. She spent the whole Sabbath day planning how she could even give more to Jesus. And early in the morning, through the dark, through the risk, she shows up there with more in her hands. Why? Because she was grateful. Landon, what risk was there just to walk across a field? No, 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 you don't get it. The Bible says that there was a Roman guard stationed in front of the tomb, not just some skinny white guy from an 80s Christian movie. That is not true. Not some scared dude with a spear. No, a Roman guard was a military term for 1,000 foot soldiers. They were so afraid of Christ that they stationed 1,000 military people in front of the tomb to make sure he did not get out. And one woman with a handful of pepper and salt walked up, ready to see 1,000 dudes in her face. Dang. Number two, she showed resilience. She showed resilience. Getting through something like she went through, being demon-possessed, being at her darkest, wouldn't it be easy for her to be defined by that? Yeah. Like, oh, hey, there's Mary Magdalene, the formerly demon-possessed woman. <laughs> Wouldn't it be easy to be defined by that past? It would be easy to live your whole life and never even be able to talk about more than that. And I think we've all been around people who have been through something difficult, but they just can't get over it. Yeah. It's like they're defined by it. 
They're like in a loop, just constantly replaying the hurt, replaying the hard. And it's like you would never know that God brought them through something because it seems like they're still stuck in that thing. And God gave me something to say to you today. It's like, if God heals me from a limp, I'm not gonna act like I still have one. I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna dance. I wanna be like Mary Magdalene, where she's like, yeah, I was fully given over to the devil and it's awful, but God, and now here's who I am. And then people around her were probably like, you've been through what? What do you mean you were full of seven demons? What does that even look like? There's such a sweetness to you. There's such a brightness to you. There's such an optimism to you. How are you not jaded? You're not snarky. You're not sassy. You're not sarcastic. You're not even defined by the hard things you went through and no one would fault you for it if you were. Mary Magdalene did not have a victim mentality. You can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. And this girl was more than a conqueror. Did you know that, uh, look at Moses for a second. His name means drawn out. He got his name because he was drawn out of the river. He went through such a hard upbringing, even as a baby. You ever met somebody who just can't stop talking about how bad their parents were? He went through such a hard upbringing as a baby that the safest thing his parents could do for him was to put him in a homemade basket into a river full of alligators. That was the safest thing. It was, it was safer than him being in his home. Alligators taking care of him was a better choice. He was raised in the home of someone who tried to kill him. He had to call his mother a nurse or a nanny. And the daughter of the person who wanted to kill him more than anybody was who he called mom. Sounds like an expensive therapy bill to me. It's okay to laugh. I know you're like wondering, can I laugh at that? You can, you can. But the name Moses, the name he walked forward with, the rest of his life was drawn out. My question to you is, are you allowing yourself to be defined by being put in the river or drawn out of the river? He didn't take his name from being put in a river. His name meant drawn out of the river. Yeah, we've all been through hard things, but heaven help us to be a people who are redeemed and called drawn out, called saved and called love. Not called I was forgotten, not called I was neglected, not called I was molested, not called I was abandoned, not called I was divorced, not called I'm a cancer survivor. And while all of those things might be true, that is not who you are. Let's not take our identity from what we've been through, but by the one who we have been called to. This is Mary all the way, all the way. She was resilient. She wasn't called by her past and her demon possession. She was now free. Number three, she showed her work. And all the math teachers in the room are like geeking out right now. Yeah, show your work. I never showed my work in school because I copied of everybody else. I didn't have their work to copy. She showed her work. A little bit about her. Landon, what does this even mean? What, like, what, are, what are you talking the most important thing, probably what I want to tell you, Magdalene was not her last name. That's probably source of a lot of people's confusion. They see Mary Magdalene show up and they're like, oh, Mary Magdalene. Hello, Mrs. Magdalene. Good to see you, Mrs. Magdalene. A lot of times in the Bible, because they had a different culture, 
The, the word that, that followed their name was not their name. Like Jesus's last name is not Christ. It wasn't Mary Christ, Joseph Christ. So Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus was his name. Christ was his title. Like doctor, pastor, or governor. Christ is a position that he came spiritually to fulfill. But where's Jesus from? Jesus was from Nazareth. So people were identified by what they did or what their function was or where they were from. So it's Jesus of Nazareth. Mary Magdalene just means Mary from Magdala. Magdala was a city just a few miles away from Capernaum and it was a very wealthy city. I mean, Rodeo Drive, wealthy. Like, like I mean, just, it, it, it was a nice, nice place. It was the dominion of Galilee. The spur, Tim Duncan has a house. No, he doesn't in Magdala, he doesn't. Their primary export in Magdala was dyes and textiles. That was their con uh, contribution to the economy. It was the garment district. It, it was not the Tanger outlets. It was, it was even more than La Cantera. It was, I mean, it was, it was it. It's where you, you go not, not to get a fake Rolex. Like it's, a, it's a real Rolex. It's not a Romex that you get on the side of the road. It's a Rolex. Y'all gonna be looking at everybody's watches now, see if there's an M in the middle. You know, I've seen them. They're real. If you wanted something nice, you went by Magdala. Mary was a big part of this community. Here's where it gets really interesting for all of us. In some parts of the Bible, she's called Mary the Magdalene. And that's important. I read in a lot of commentaries this week as we studied, and this is kind of where the purpose plus stuff comes in. All of the stuff that we study you know, sermon notes usually start out at about 25 pages and they have to get down to five. So that's all the extra stuff that you get in a Purpose Plus episode. So download the podcast if you can. And I read in a lot of commentaries this week that Mary Magdalene, her name was synonymous with the primary exports because she was just that good. It's like when you think of Microsoft, who do you think of? Bill Gates. You're like, I don't do Microsoft. I'm a Mac man. Once you go Mac, you never go back. I agree. However... When you think of Microsoft, you think of Bill Gates. And I, I think it's important for us to know when people thought of Magdala, they thought of Mary, the Magdalene. She was known for success and affluence that made Magdala such a posh place to live. So Mary, the Magdalene, was probably not how you pictured her about five minutes ago as someone who was jonesing Jesus for drugs under a bridge and had seven demons. You're thinking of a Hollywood demon-possessed woman speaking Latin, eating spiders, crawling upside down, spinning her head around. That's who you thought Mary Magdalene was five minutes ago. But now you're thinking about someone in a penthouse. But both need Jesus, all the same. But she's living large. And in that condition, she was full of darkness. We tend to think that those who have made it or those who have some success are immune to the things that we all need. But the truth is many times people get on top of ladders like that only to discover that they put their ladder against the wrong wall. And Mary, it seems, had everything that this world had to offer. But she found out it was not actually what she needed. She was running a Fortune 500 company 
full of seven demons and nobody knew. And you and I are thinking about like a demoniac crawling on the ground, screaming, yelling. And we're like, whoa. And we're like looking for sterling silver crosses and hoping we can find holy water. And just none of that's true. That's not how that works. It's how they sold movie tickets. But Mary, the Magdalene, was at the top of the ladder and under demonic control. So when you and I are thinking foaming at the mouth, actually demonic possession could be you just being possessed with yourself. We know that the root of all sin is pride. The Bible's very clear about pride. In fact, in the fall, before Easter, we're gonna do a series on the seven deadly sins. (laughs) It's gonna be creepy (laughs) and fun. Pride's one of them, it'll kill you. And people ask me before, like, hey, Landon, why do we see like people getting freed of demons in Africa and India? And why are their demons so demonstrative? And, and, I, and, and I heard one preacher say, and I believe it, he's like, our demons would do that if they had to, but they don't even have to go that far. So you and I proverbially live in Magdala. It could be just being full of yourself or the enemy has control over your heart, control over what you're posting, control over your vanity, control over your lust, the pride of life, all of these things, which is where Mary the Magdalene was until Jesus touched her, until he changed her. But the cool thing is all that success, she was worshiping money, worshiping herself, is now being given over to the worship of Christ and subsidizing the gospel. So this boss lady, businesswoman, is now financing millions of people getting saved. Sounds like a devil black eye to me. She didn't just show her work. She showed the way, number four. She showed the way for others to do what she had done. She shows up 14 times in scripture, and eight of those times, she's leading a list of women like the one we read in Mark's gospel. Why? Why she always got a posse? You're not a leader if you turn around and no one's following you. And so why she always got a, like a posse of boss ladies with her? Because she's a born leader. She was influential. She was magnetic. People followed her and she used that influence for the glory of God. She used that influence to touch other people. And I love this. She also helped other people people see that they could make the devil pay every time Jesus healed somebody. Every time Mary Magdalene is standing on the side of the church house watching Jesus heal someone else of demons, she's just sitting there smiling knowing that what she did made that possible and the devil just got punched in the face again and again and again and again because she was grateful. She showed the way. She showed her work. And I'm telling you, the darkest place you've ever been might be the place that God needs you to minister to once he saves your soul and touches your life. Number five, she showed courage. It took courage to show up at the cross. I already told you she was getting ready to face a thousand dudes standing in front of a rock. And she just walking up with a basket full of spices. Sounds like she'd lose. 
She was gutsy, but it took a lot of guts to show up at the cross. When Jesus died, we don't read about Peter being there, the, the alleged first pope. That dude was hiding. He was scared. He chopped an ear off and then ducked for cover. We don't read about Bartholomew being there at the cross. Old Bart was hanging out with Homer. I don't know. He's was hanging out. And we don't read about, I mean, Thomas. I doubt he even showed up. Thank you, Jeff. In fact, there's only one disciple who showed up at the cross, and it was John, the one whom Jesus loved. Y'all said that so nice. Loved. I think it's pretty powerful and it preaches powerfully that somebody so marked by love was willing to risk it all. Mary was there. Why was it so dangerous to be at the cross? Why were the disciples hiding behind locked doors? Because they thought they were going to be the ones rounded up next. Because they were accomplices to the infidel. But Mary was like, bring it. Yeah, I subsidized all of it. I spent millions of dollars so this man could preach. So if you're going to kill me, do it today, please, so I can see him again. A bunch of men are hiding behind locked doors and one boss lady's like. Not only was she not foaming at the mouth and demon possessed, she comes walking up, calm, collected, stable, free, sober-minded, spiritually connected, full of courage. But number six, she showed emotion. I think it's powerful that we can look at Mary the Magdalene and she's such a strong leader, an alpha female, but she was also very much in touch with her emotions. She was someone who was very, very much willing to be vulnerable and willing to be weak. So strong on one hand, yet was willing to cry publicly and willing to admit she was hurting. Your power, your power, your progress will always be limited unless you are willing to be in touch with both sides, be in touch with both sides. Can you be strong but also weak at the same time? Yes. Can you be a boss lady and also vulnerable at the same time? Yes. Can you be full of hope and optimism but also be realist? Yes. And some of us here today have come in with this false sense of strength. And it's actually pride. And when the altars are open here in a minute for you to come down and receive prayer, if you're like, I don't need this. I don't need that. I just came because they drug me here. Can I say something to you? Again, I said, we don't believe in accidents. I think you were here on purpose. I know you're here on purpose. And there's gonna be people down here later that wanna pray with you. And this is the safest place in the world right now for you to show courage and take a step. Landon, why don't we put prayer partners at the back? Because we believe you need to take a step forward. Nobody's watching you. They don't, they're not here to stare at you. There's gonna be people walking around everywhere, getting communion, getting prayer, worshiping, sitting at their seat, coming to the altar. There's gonna be a lot going on here in a couple of minutes and they're not gonna be focused on you. We end our service every Sunday with a response time and that's so you can hear the gospel and respond to it. What Kelly and I and other 
pastors at this church do. This is not a performance. We're just trying to show the way, but you gotta walk down it. Show some emotion. Ask, ask yourself, why am I so resistant? Why am I so resistant to the, what am I scared of? I believe God will show you and then there'll be people here to pray with you about it here in a minute. And all of that is possible. Everything we just read, the six points are possible. Number seven, because she showed her true colors. Crisis will show your true colors. When an olive gets pressed, what's in it comes out. When things are not going well, we really, really, really find out what's inside. If you're going through a hardship, if you're going through a storm, it doesn't change who you are. It just shows who you really are. It exposes what's really going on. And for Mary, on the worst day of her life, when the person she had given her life to serve has been brutally murdered in front of her, she shows at her core that she is a disciple of Christ. Take the money away. Oh, Romans, you want to take my connections away? Take them away. You want to burn my house down in Magdala? Take it away. Take my life. Put me on the cross next. Go ahead. But I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here for Jesus. He changed my life. He saved my soul. I'm going to give everything I have to serve him. And where does power like that come from? Imagine if you live in one of these neighborhoods and tanks went down your street today and people unlawfully broke into your home to force you into a way of living. What would your faith look like in that moment? And guys, that's not, that's, that's not pie in the sky, by the way. During COVID lockdowns, it was happening in Canada. And I'm just wondering if you and I could have a true faith because of these two words, and Mary Magdalene said it, let's go all the way back to the beginning of the message, my Lord. She didn't say, where did they take Jesus the Nazarene? Where did they take Jesus Christ? She said, where did you put my Lord? If you lost a child, you wouldn't run around saying, where is so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so? If I lost Kaylin, I wouldn't say, where is Kaylin Kiker? Where is she? I'd say, where is my baby? If you're, if you're connected to someone with love, you don't use titles. You're using heart connection. Where is my Lord? Where is he? Please, Mr. Gardner, if you know, if you took him somewhere, I need you to tell me now. I, I need you to tell, I, where is my Lord? I don't know where they put him. Where is my Lord? So my question to you is who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Is he a good idea because you don't want to burn forever? Is he a get out of hell free card? Is he just a good idea because you were raised in Texas and it seems like everybody kind of knows who Jesus is? Are you a recovering Catholic and it's this weird deity that hangs out up there that you see on a crucifix? Who is Jesus to you? Because he's my Lord. And when everything gets 
squeezed and when you feel emotionally cratering and you feel like your, your job and your marriage and your kids and everything is coming down, then you turn on the news and somebody's invading somebody else and the whole world's going to hell and you're like, what is going on? Who is Jesus to you in that moment? Because when Mary's life was being completely destroyed and everything that she had given her life to looked like it was about to be taken away, she remembered back to her demon-possessed self and said, you can take me if you want, but I know who I used to be. And then I met the man named Jesus and now he's my Lord and you can do whatever you want, but I'm not who I used to be. Who is Jesus to you? The possessive pronoun has the capacity to change everything. Because when he's your Lord, you know the sound of his voice. He says, Mary. She instantly drops to her knees at the sound of Jesus speaking her name. Can I tell you, there will be nothing more powerful in your life than your ears being tuned to the sound of your shepherd's voice. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they'll follow me. Some of you here today do not know Jesus as your Jesus. Can you say my Lord? Can you say my Lord? And I know we jokingly say it in America, we're like, that's my president. And some people are like, no, that's the president. Maybe that's like that for us with Jesus. Is he Jesus or is he my Lord? Because if he's your Lord, then coming to growth track is like easy. You're like, it's just the next step. I got to do it to share Jesus with people. I'll do it. What do you need? We need a building on the interstate on that land we own, which is a boss piece of land, by the way. Let's do it. Let's figure it out. Who do I need to shake down? Let's go for it. Let's figure it out. Because the world needs to know about my Jesus. So what is it going to take? Let's figure it out. Like, we need this. We need that the church needs it. Jesus is going here. All right, he's my Lord. Let's go. My Lord. What could be more important in these days of confusion, worry, and doubt? than us tuning our ears to the sound of the shepherd's voice who each day calls us out and gives you the capacity to follow him. She showed courage, she showed resilience, she showed the way, she showed gratitude, she showed up, she showed up, she showed up. Why did she get a front row seat on that day? Because she was there. And she made sure she was there. She showed up to pray. She showed up to finance. She showed up to support. She showed up to help. She showed up to lead. She showed up to influence. She showed up. And I get it. For some of you here today, you just walking in these doors was a big deal. And I get it. You showed up. You showed up. Gosh, that's so awesome. You showed up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Show up tonight. Let's hang out, eat some chicken. Show up. Keep showing up. This important, this impartation, this salvation, this message of the kingdom, it must go on. We must not quit. We must not get discouraged. We must not get tired. Why did Mary have an angel encounter? 
It's because I believe she lived the life of an angel investor. Mary was someone who invested in the story of redemption, invested in the story of salvation, invested in so many family trees knowing Jesus Christ that you and I are sitting in a government-owned building talking about her 2,000 years later. Because Mary, the boss lady Magdalene, had seven demons, but now she was free. And you and I have the same story. Stand to your feet, everybody. I know God's here right now. I can feel it. He's here in your life. He's here in this moment. He's in this room with you today. And some of you here today are convicted by the Holy Spirit that it's time to show up. And we're, we're, we're really, really glad you're here. And some of you, it's your time to take a next step. Landon, I don't know what that is. That's what Growth Track's for. That's why we're there. We're there to help you figure it out. Some of you are feeling convicted that you need to start showing up in whatever God is doing. To bring the spectacle of Easter, the miracle of Easter, to more of these homes. Between Belmont Park and Riata, there's, um, what did they say? There's 1,500 homes just in two subdivisions. This school alone services almost 1,000 children in two subdivisions. They're not all in this room yet, but they're going to be. So we're going to need you because there might be seven services one Sunday and I'm going to need your help. All I'm going to have energy to do is talk. We're going to need some help. If this room's full of Mary Boss Lady Magdalene's, it's not going to be a problem. But if it's full of Peter's who run and hide when it gets hard, it's going to be hard. Come on. So stop making excuses. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down now. The altar response time is about this today. It's about courage and repentance. As Easter people, the greatest thing that's ever happened to your life is Easter. I even had this conversation the other day with Levi. He was going with me to AutoZone. And I don't know how we got on this subject, but he was like, Dad, what's the best thing that's ever happened to you? I was like, whoa. He was wanting me to say the day you were born. But it wasn't the greatest day that's ever happened to me. It was a day. It was a loud day. It was a hard day. Really hard for me. I mean, Kelly did a lot of work, but it was hard work standing there. And I looked at Levi and I said, the day Jesus saved me. And he was like, this was, this was yesterday. He said, you have to say that because it's your job. I was like, no, son. We're Easter people. It's the greatest day in my life. And then the next greatest day was the day I met your mom. And then the next greatest day was the day your brother was born. I'm just, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. It was Kaylin. I didn't say that. guys seriously we're Easter people hell is never going to be part of your story your family tree is never going to be marked by demonic possession because of you saying yes 
to the story of Easter, to the blood of Jesus. When I'm done praying, the band is gonna lead us through a song. And the song really hits home for me. It's on repeat all the time for me. And there's a, a line in it that says, I thought I deserved to be six feet beneath the earth for all the things I've done, the things I've said, the choices made that I regret. Oh, I would still be lost if not for the mercy of God. And as they sing that song over you today, let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you. Because your family tree, your last name could have a the in front of it after today. Be marked forever by the grace of God. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord in this moment and thank him. Just say with your own voice, Lord, thank you for your grace. Father, we were born for this moment. We were born for these times. We were, we're being sent out for just a time as this. When so many people are deconstructing their faith, we are building our faith and constructing family trees based on the mercy and the grace of God and the blood of Jesus. So God, would you give us a courage and a boldness to impact the world around us. Let our worship rise. Let our faith rise. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Give us boldness. Give us faith and give us fire. And may we never be the same. Never, never, never be the same. In Jesus' name, with your voice, begin to say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for finding me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for finding me when I was at my lowest. And you called me out of the river. And I will never be defined by who I used to be. But I am defined by the person and the sacrifice of Christ. And the Easter story, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I am an Easter person. And I'll never be the same. So I will take a step forward today in boldness and may my life be marked by the blood of Jesus forever. And in this moment, everybody, the prayer team is here ready to pray with you. If you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, don't leave here today carrying the penalty of your own sin. Jesus said, give it to me. I've already paid for it. Leave here today free. If you've got something holding you down, if there's something going on in your heart and you just don't know what it is, come and ask someone to pray with you and maybe God will give you clarity on what that is. If you're ready to take a next step, maybe your response time right now is signing up for Growth Track on your phone while we're in the room. Because nobody wants to run out of chicken. Sign up, whatever that response is. But don't let the response be just to sit there and stay the same. Because great stories are told when we say yes to the Easter story. So the band's gonna begin to sing. And when they do, come grab communion. Remember the blood of Jesus over your life. Come grab some prayer. Come grab some faith. Come grab some courage. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.